Hallelujah. God is good. Nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. Yeah, and all the time, God is good. That's his nature. Wow. Amen. We learned that from in Kenya. Love that and stuck with us. Hallelujah. I'm excited about 2024. How about you? How about you? But I'm, I'm, I'm progressing. I'm advancing and, and seeing our high and, and experiencing promotion and seeing our highest expectation fulfilled. Say so that's mine. Amen. If you didn't get one of these, these cards, you might've got a bookmark. You might've got one of the other smaller cards, but if you didn't get one, I know we have more of these bookmarks. So make sure you get one of those. Keep that in front of you. And uh, man, last, last week, what a great word from, from our apostle, our founding pastor, Dr. Savell. And I always like the beginning part of the year because, because uh, he gets to share with us before he really hits the road traveling and, you know, around the world. And, um, and so he's actually going to be with us the next two Sundays and uh, expecting great things. Uh, believe that they're being refreshed as they, as they come into this first year. They're getting some rest right now. And he deposited a word in us last week. And he talked about a decision, a decree, and disperse, right? And, and, and he communicated to us how on the 21st, when we, we finish our first, things first com- our first Things First, that conference on that Sunday night that, we're, that uh, we're praying about what the Lord wants us to sow into this next year. And I just want to communicate what that offering is going to go towards will go towards our new building. And so that's what the offering will go towards and all of it will go towards that. And just to be praying and seeking the Lord and asking the Lord, what do you want to sow? What do you want me to sow? What do you want us to sow as a family into this, in, into this next year? Amen. And with that, you know, we started first things first on the first and we started early morning prayer. And I, I'm so grateful to see the people coming out each morning at seven at, at six thirty three. And uh, some of you might like, I wish it was seven thirty three. But <laughs> um, but anyway, but but if you've joined us from home, just raise your hands. I want to see who's joining us for first things first. Man, where are you all at? What do I mean? Now, it doesn't have to be 6.33 in the morning. You're like, I, no, this, this, is, this is an opportunity for us to church, as a church to go to another level. Amen. So what this is us doing something as a corporate body and as a unit to say, hey, God, I'm not going to stay where I am. And because I'm not going to stay where I am, I've got to realize I may have to do some things I haven't done before. And so this is the challenge that we have. And you're like, well, I didn't get to start on that. I haven't started on the reading plan. Hey, get started today. Get started today. Hey, there's two 633s every day. You know, I mean, you can hit one of them or it could be, it could be another time. It doesn't have to be that. The point is, is, is to take that time to read your chapter every day. Take that time to seek the Lord every day. Get into the word. And then we're going to finish this. And also, I know for Annette and I and other ones, we're, we're fasting different things. Just because I, I want to be clear to hear for the wisdom that I need to be able to lead like I need to lead. Amen? Thank you. Amen. And then we're going to finish it off with that conference on January 21st through the 24th. And this is a, um, just something, just a new update with that. For all of our first grade through preteens... You're going to have your own First Things First conference with Captain Rex. And so Captain Rex is going to be here on that Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And so he's going to be coming in, and he's going to be ministering to our young people, as well as we'll have ministry for zero to five in the back. But that's just something we just established over the last couple of days. So it's kind of last minute, but it was something I believe that we're supposed to do and, and to really, really bring our whole church body up to another level. You'll never be disappointed in making a spiritual investment to your future. I mean, you can only watch so much Netflix. You can only so much watch so many things. You, you know, you're like, well, Pastor, I, I, got, I got stuff to do on Monday night. I'm like, what? I mean, I can punk you all. I mean, I, I, know, I, know, I know people. You're like, I'm just so busy. But yet you're scrolling in bed until 1030 at night. Hey, I'm your pastor. That means I can correct you. If you don't want me to correct you, find another church. I mean, come on. I'm not here to tickle your ears and play patty cake with you. That's not who I am. I mean, it's just, it's just what it comes down to. And, 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 and it's like frustrating to see people live the same way year after year after year after year and, and, and wonder why things never change. Because you haven't changed. God's not the problem. 
Invest in your life. That's why we do this. This isn't just something, hey, just so we can say, hey, we were spiritual and we had 21 days. Woo. No, it's about change. I want to be changed. I want to be changed from glory to glory and faith to faith. I, I want to be a better man. I want to be a better. I want to be better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ready to get in the word? You're like, please, please stop meddling. If that hurts you, see, <laughs> never mind. I don't know. Turn to Psalm chapter 19. And I'm going to minister on something that I, I've, it was actually in my heart a couple weeks ago. And I referred to a scripture while I received the offering last week. And then Dr. Smith went to one of the scriptures and used that scripture. And it wasn't necessarily what he was ministering along, along the lines of. And I was just seeking the Lord about what to minister on this first Sunday of 2024 that will cause us to progress, advance. Everything I minister as a pastor is to, to bring that to each one of us. And, and I, I kept hearing some things. I'm like, what is that? I was trying to figure out the connection between these two things because I'd never really seen the connection of them before. And this, if you're, if you're one for titles or taking notes, this morning I want to talk about faith and the fear of the Lord. I'm going to talk about faith and the fear of the Lord. I, I've never actually seen the connection of these two things before like I have over the last several weeks. Thank you, Father. Let's start in verse... Let's go to verse 7. Verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Mm. You want to change your mind, will, and emotions? You need to get in the word. I, I, believe, I believe in counseling. I believe there's people that are gifted to counsel people. But you can go to counseling all day. But unless the root and the foundation of it is the word of God, you'll continue to live out of your emotions and not out of the, your spirit. It's a little rabbit trail, side note there. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So we see the law, we see the testimony. We see the statutes, and then we see the commandment of the Lord is pure. It enlightens the eyes. So all these things come back to, if we're honest with us, it comes back to what's coming from the voice of God, which would have to come what's coming from the word of God, right? So this is what the word of God does. It converts the soul. What does it do? It makes wise the simple. It causes the heart to rejoice. It causes your eyes to be enlightened. And then it says this, the fear of the Lord is clean. Now, this is all in context. The fear of the Lord is clean. It's pure. Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, look at this. More to be desired they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Verse 11, moreover by them. See, this is all in context. So if we're talking about what is the them he's referring to, the them is referring to the commandment. The, rever the thing is the law. He's referring to the testimony. He's referring to the statutes. He's referring to the commandments. He's referring to the fear of the Lord. He's referring to the judgments. So by these, moreover, by them, sir, a servant is warned and in keeping them, there's a great reward. Wow. So when I'm in the word and I'm listening to the word, when I understand the fear of the Lord, what happens? It brings a warning to me. But when I do them, it brings a great reward. Now, let me say this. 
The reward isn't salvation. You couldn't earn salvation. There's nothing you could do to earn salvation. This is not about earning your place in the kingdom. Jesus did that for us. But I'm telling you, whether you realize it or not, there is rewards associated with a life that does the word. There is reward, there's progress, there's advancement, there's promotion when I do the word. So really, if it comes down to this, the word and the fear of the Lord will bring a warning to me and it brings a reward to me. For some of you this morning, this this message might be a warning. I believe all of it, there's an aspect of warning to it. A warning is not necessarily a negative thing. A warning is an encouragement to take us higher. When your three-year-old child runs out into the street and you yell at them, it's not because you're mad at them. It's because you love them. And it's a warning. Why? Because you want them to see, see them live a long life. Right? Go to Psalms 145. And this is a scripture that Dr. Savelle used last week. And if you weren't here Wednesday, I, I want to encourage you to listen to Eric's message. Oh my, so good. Thank you, Eric, for ministering that word. Mm, yeah, Lord. And Nikki, if you can tell the communications team, this just came with my heart as well. If we can text the link to Eric's message from... Uh, 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 builders, uh, kingdom builders. I want you to text the message to the link to the whole church on that message. You need to li- if you you need to listen to that message about uh, what he ministered at kingdom builders on that day. Thank you, Father. Psalms one forty five. Thank you, Lord. Eighteen and nineteen. Says the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill, fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. You know, you won't cry out to someone that one you don't respect. You won't cry out to someone you don't honor. And you won't cry out to someone that you don't believe that has the ability, the love, or the capacity to meet your need. The fear of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He will fulfill the desire. Will. Will. That means this is his nature. This is what he likes to do. His nature... Hallelujah. Thank you. To fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. Let's go to Psalms 147. Just building building a foundation. Hallelujah. Look at verse 10. He does... This is a scripture I read during offering last week. It says, he does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. But what the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. In those who hope in his mercy. God's not interested in your muscles. God's not interested... And how much horsepower your truck has. What he's interested in. Is in a heart. That fears him. You want to get God's attention. Come to a place. Where he has. Your whole heart. 
Not some of your heart. Not your hour and a half on a Sunday morning heart. He wants us. The fear of the Lord really comes down to, in a simple way, in a simple terms, is fear of the Lord is about you giving up total control of all of you. The fear of the Lord. This is what brings him pleasure. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Fear, the, fearing the Lord is not about being scared of him. This isn't being afraid of God and not being able to approach God. Because ultimately, if you actually fear God, you do approach God. This is not for you to be afraid of God this morning. This is not about you being at a place where God's going to get me or God's going to teach me something. No, that's not faith. That's, that's, that's fear. That's natural fear. But we're talking about the fear of the Lord. This is about being reverent towards him. This is about that he is the only one. He has the only answer to get me through. He's the only one that can bring me to the completion of my destiny. He's the only one that can heal my body. He's the only one that can give me wisdom and direction for my business. He's the only one that can heal my marriage. He's the only one that can change my character and my conduct. He's the only one that can do something. And as long as you think you can continue to do it, then you're no different than that psalm that's saying, saying, well, God's going to trust my strength and my, of my legs. You'll never get it done. You'll never get it accomplished. You'll never be what God desires you to be because you'll try to do it in yourself. Ultimately, to have faith in God. We have to come to a reality of what we understand the fear of the Lord to be. Because it's impossible to you, for you to, to operate in biblical fear of the Lord and not be a person of faith. It's a statement I've never heard before. It's a statement I've never preached before. That if I'm really a person that fears the Lord... I will operate in a greater level of faith. He takes pleasure in those that fear the Lord. And this is familiar to us in Hebrews eleven six. I didn't finish turning. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God. If you please God, that means he, ha- he finds pleasure. It's impossible to please God. It's impossible to give God pleasure without faith. I can't give. God doesn't get pleasure in my doubt. He gets pleasure in my faith. God doesn't get pleasure in me trying to do it myself. He gets pleasure in my faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God, he that comes to God. You're not going to come to someone you don't reverence. You're not going to come to someone that you're not trusting in. You're not going to come to someone that you're not, you're, you're not giving total control over to. You come to him because he's the one that has the answer. You come to him because there's no, nothing else you can go to. There's nothing else that has my answer. He that comes to God must believe, believe that he is and that he is what a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. A person that fears the Lord will be forever a seeker of God. A person that that fears the Lord will continually and always be a seeker of God. Someone that actually is, truly fears the God, God will always be a worshiper of God. You're not going to have to ask someone that truly fears the Lord, are you a giver? You're not going to ask someone that, that, that truly believes and has the fear of the Lord, well, are, are you going to go to church this weekend? You're not going to have to ask someone that, that truly fears the Lord. It's like, hey, are you serving in your local church? That's good. 
That's not something you're going to ask because, because God, if you're, you have a fear of the Lord and you have a relationship with the Lord and you have a reverence with the Lord, that means you have communion with the Lord. And if you have communion with the Lord, that means he's speaking some things to you. And I guarantee he's going to speak some things to you about your church, about your life, about your devotion time, about your actions, about your attitude, about your behavior, about the words that you're speaking, the words you're not speaking, about how you go to your workplace, about how you work at your workplace, about how you love one another, about the the hope that you have about the, your dreams for your future, where you go on vacation, what you do, how you treat your children, how you treat your wife. If you're not, if you're not communing with God, then you're not opening yourself up to become a better man or woman of God. And you can walk around and say, Hey, I'm a man of faith because I spoke the word. But yet if you don't have communion with the Lord, I don't know if you've really got to a place where God is my everything. I mean, this, this, this is important to us, and this is what's going to carry us to another level, and this is what's going to mark us in order for us to, to make a mark in our community. I love, I love the fact that we have live streaming, but it's no substitute for being in the corporate anointing. Live stream streaming was never the answer. You see, if you're watching at home and you don't like someone says, you can hit mute. I'm going to watch this other preacher and I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch Joel Osteen because he just says it so easy. I like Joel Osteen. Sorry, that's not, I'm not, that's not a slam on him. He's, he's operating in his call. He's walking in his walk and he's ministering in, in, in what God's called him to minister to. I'm grateful because my father-in-law who's Catholic, hey, he'll, he'll turn on Joel Osteen and get saved every week. I'm grateful for that because my father-in-law... Who's, who's Catholic, likes to hear Joel Osteen. So I praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Don't be critical of ministers. Don't be critical of churches. I just pray that they're doing their assignment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do our assignment. You can love it or leave it. Find, an, find your assignment, whatever. But this is what pleases God. Faith pleases God. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If we look down at verse 7, the next, very next verse, it says, By faith Noah, being divinely, warm, divinely warned of things not yet seen. Now, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Now, you and I have seen rain. But of this time... There's never, there was never rain in the earth up to this time. No one had a clue what rain is. You're like, what you talking about, Justin? You're like, well, didn't, you know, hit seed time and harvest and, and God had a plant, a plant seed. Well, just read Genesis and it tells you how God watered the earth. It said the springs came up from underneath, watered the earth and the seeds brought forth. And so there was no rain up to this time that ever had taken place. And so he was warned of things that had not yet been done. So he's like, rain, what's rain? I'm going to flood the earth. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. What does it say? Moved with godly fear. If you're going to see a man in scripture that operated in great faith, had a fear of the Lord. In the moment... Or the moment that they stopped operating in the fear of the Lord, they went backwards. King Uzziah. Chronicles 26, it says, as long as he sought the Lord, he was made to prosper. As long as he was seeking the Lord, there's nothing that Uzziah could do that he couldn't get rich from. There's nothing that he couldn't succeed in as long as he sought the Lord. 
But it said as known as, but then it said about 12, 13 verses in, it says the moment that he became strong in himself. He went backwards. David, a great man of faith. But yet the moment he stopped fearing the Lord and looking at Bathsheba and killing Uriah, they kept him from being able to build the temple. By faith, Noah moved with godly fear. It's not being afraid. It's just giving up control. It's saying, God, I need you. God, I don't know what to do right now. I need you. He fulfills the desire of those that fear the Lord. Let's go to Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. Are you in a hurry this morning? Cowboys don't come on till 325. Yes, I know. I know. Yes, I know. You don't have to say anything. And no, I don't call them the commanders. I will forever call them the Redskins, okay? And you're like, now I'm definitely finding another church. Um, Come on, I grew up in Maryland. I, my grandfather, my father were Redskins. I was born, my dad was upset I was born on a Sunday because, because he couldn't finish watching the Redskins game. My dad was literally, he was like, why does he have to be born today? The Redskins are on right now. Dad, I love you, by the way. Uh, they always watch our service when they finish theirs. They're about an hour time difference. So, so anyway. Thank you, Father. Isaiah, 1, Isaiah 51, verse 1. He says, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. If you're following after righteousness, you're a seeker. And that means you're wanting something else than what you have. Right? Listen to me. So this morning as your pastor, I'm saying, listen to me. You who follow after righteousness. You who seek the Lord. Remember, if I'm seeking the Lord then that means I'm in faith. And if I'm seeking the Lord, I'm in faith. That means I also am fearing the Lord. You who seek the Lord. He goes, look to the rock. <clears throat> look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. And look where you came from. Look how you were created. But then he says, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and I blessed him and increased him. I called him when he was one, but I blessed him and made him many. That sounds like progress to me. That sounds like advancement to me. That sounds like promotion. That you started as one, but then you became many. It says, listen to me, you that are seeking the Lord. Listen to me, you that are fearing the Lord. Listen to me. And he's look to Abraham. Look to Abraham who, who boy, look to Abraham. Look to, to your father in the faith. Look at Abraham's life. Because he may have started as one, but he didn't finish as one. And I guarantee, I guarantee as, as, you, as you follow God and you fear the Lord and we live by faith, you may have started in this, in, in this place, but I guarantee you'll end up in God's place. Right now, it may, it, it may look like you're in a small place, but I want you to know as you walk with God and fear the Lord, you will step into a wealthy place. You will step into a broad place that the Psalms say. Look to Abraham. Let's go to um, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse 11. 
talking of, talking of Abraham. Remember, we're looking at Abraham. It says, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had while still uncircumcised. Well, wait a minute. He had a sign of circumcision? And it was a seal of righteousness of faith which he had while still uncircumcised. Wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Because circumcision is an outward thing. Hopefully I don't need to explain to you what this is. (laughs) That he had, while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. He's talking about you and I. The father of all those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, talking about Gentiles, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, talking about Jew, but also who walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham while he was still uncircumcised. So Abraham had faith. Abraham, it tells us, so follow the steps of Abraham. Follow the steps of Abraham. Follow the steps of faith which which our father Abraham, while he was still uncircumcised. Meaning nothing had changed in the natural, so to speak, but something changed. See, and this where it goes to is not about what we're doing on the outside, but it's about what are we doing in here. Let's go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. the sake of time, let's look at verse 28. I encourage you to go back and read really the entire chapter of 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5. But look at verse 28. It says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. That doesn't make sense. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew Who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter of whose praise is not from men, but from God. Meaning, so the Jews are actually uncircumcised, aren't real Jews. It it kind of, is that what that says? He's but, but the Jews are the ones that actually aren't outwardly circumcised. Because it's not the outward, but it's about the inward. See, it's not about our form of religion, but it's about allowing him to be, for allowing our heart to be conformed to him. So operating in the fear of the Lord is not about checking off all the boxes, but it's about giving up control to him. Follow the steps of Abraham. Look to Abraham, who was our father. He became one, but, but he, he was one, but alone, uh, alone, but he became many. So let's look at Abraham because he had this relationship that we're to follow the steps in. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12. And unless by the Holy Spirit, I, I'm probably not going to finish all my notes today. But we're, we're going to finish what we're supposed to finish. <laughs> now, you have to understand that just, just the thought alone for all the men in the house, the thought of circumcision alone when you're 100 years old, That's giving up control, man. That's giving up. That's, you, t- you talk about the fear of the Lord, but you have to understand that Moses didn't start out circumcised. That happened five chapters later. So all this had to do with before he was uncircumcised. And we're to follow the steps of Abraham. Let's look at Genesis 12, verse 1. It's now the Lord had said to Abram, 
get out of your country and from your father's, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Meaning you're going to have to get up from where you are and go to somewhere different. You can hear the prophetic word. I'm progressing. I'm advancing. I'm experiencing promotion. And it's going to be the year I see my highest expectation fulfilled. And next year it come, come to pass? Well, I guess this will be my year of advancement. This will be my year of progression. It'd be no different that Abraham hearing God say, leave where you are and go to a place that I'll show you. Meaning the blessing wasn't in hearing the voice of God. The blessing it comes in verse four. Abraham departed. That's where the blessing is. Abraham departing was Abraham not just confessing, hey, he's going to make my name great. He's going to make me famous. I'm going to be blessed to be a blessing. Praise the Lord. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. Money coming to me now. No, the thing is, if, if, if it was just based on the word coming to pass... It's about your faith and your decision. It's about your decree and it's about what you're dispersing. The dispersing happened when he departed and that was his obedience. The steps of Abraham was saying, God, I'm going to follow you wherever you want to go. I'm, I'm grateful for the covenant. I'm grateful for the word that God spoke to Abraham. I mean, it was a, that same word is what the Lord gave me in 1999, in uh, uh, January 23rd of 1999, when I was living in Maryland, I came out here and visited, and the Lord visited me and told me that I would be here for the majority of the rest of my life. Amen. I get back to Maryland, I'm like, how can this be? And he took me to, he took me to Genesis chapter 12 and said, said this is, this is I'm, I'm taking you to a land that I will show you. And I could praise God that you're going to bless me. You're going to make my name great. You're going to do great things in my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And confess it every day, every day, every day. And just to Maryland, well, well, God wants to bless me and make my name great. And he wants to do all these amazing things. And yet I could still be in Maryland 30 years later or 26 years later and wonder, you know why? How come nothing's happened? Because I had to get here. Because the blessing was where God wanted me here. So Abraham had to have faith, but ultimately you have to see faith as also the fear of the Lord, that he is going to follow God. I mean, we could, we could go, if I had the time, we could go through each chapter here. All the way from 14 to chapter 14 and to 22. Let's go to 22. And I could show you in each instance where Abraham had the fear of the Lord. Also when he didn't have the fear of the Lord. And thus we have Hagar and Ishmael. But for the sake of time, let's, let's look at Genesis 22. Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse one. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Wow. What is God trying to speak to you? A man who fears the Lord and a man who's living in faith says, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Not the one you decide, but the one I'll tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac and he split the wood. You know, I was thinking about this. He took two men with him. 
I'm kind of thinking maybe at some time along the road, well, he's like, hey, can we do a two for one? Can it's like, can we do, I'll do these two, but hey, I'll keep this one. <laughs> I know it was just a thought, but. And he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and he went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Some of us, after like an hour journey, would be like, okay, is this the place? I guess this is the place. Three-day journey. How long will you stick with God to see the promise fulfilled? How far will you take your obedience with God? Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here while with the donkeys and the lad and I will go yonder and listen and worship. And we will come back to you. 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 So Abraham took, uh, Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the two of them and they went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. Then he said, look, the fire in the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And God said, my son. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together and they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abram built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to, to, to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know, listen, for now I know that you fear God. So I believe the foundation of Abraham's faith was his honor and reverence towards God. You want to, we want to grow to another level in our faith. It's going to come as we grow in our reverence and honor towards God. That's why I believe Jesus said to the centurion, the greatest faith. The greatest faith. He said, he, he, he said, this, he goes, I haven't seen this faith. No, not in Israel. And the centurion said, hey, hey, I, I believe in authority. I believe in authority. I say one to go and he goes. I say another one coming and he comes. He was talking about the same thing. I see Jesus as a man under authority. And because he's a man under authority, he's operating in authority. Walking in the steps of Abraham. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's go to James 2. James 2. I'll start to close with this. Now I know that you fear the Lord. Now I know that you fear the Lord. He's saying, now I know you have, I have full control of your life. Should I tell that more? Thank you, Father. Yeah. James chapter 2. Thank you, Father. Verse 18. It says, but some will say, you have faith, and I have works. He goes, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Meaning, if you tell me you're a person of faith, I'm going to see it. You tell me you believe God? You tell me that you're a worshiper? You tell me, then there's going to be something that other people are going to recognize about your Christianity. You believe that there is one God. You do well, but even the demons believe. You believe that there is a God. You do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Meaning, if you are a person of faith, I'm going to see it in your life. You're not going to talk like the rest of the world. You're not going to live like the rest of the world. You're not going to act like the rest of the world. I'm going to see it. 
Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was, now listen, you see that faith was working together with his works and by works, faith was made perfect. Meaning Abraham's faith wasn't perfected and didn't come complete by just following God. He departed, yes, it was. But here, because he's talking about Isaac. So his faith wasn't about just going up to the mountain. But his faith came to completion when he took it all the way. And he's saying, I'm going to give my best. I'm going to give Isaac. That's when his faith came to perfection. But that is, that is whole, like, God, you have my life. And as, you, as we live this way, he starts completing things that you've been trying to complete for years. Things that you've been trying to do for 20 years, he can do in one. You trying to get into yourself into a place of ministry and a place, just one, just one year, I tell you, he can, he can totally turn everything around. All he's looking is someone that will say, hey, you have total control over me. What it would look like if he has total control over each one of us. I'm not there yet. I'm endeavoring to be. But I know there's more of me that can get out of the way. This isn't about becoming more righteous. This isn't, that was settled at the cross. It's about growing in him. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Go back to Isaiah 51. Mm. I came here in 1999. And God said, one of the things he said, not only would I be here for the majority of the rest of my life, but also he said everything I was called to do could be fulfilled from here. Didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that mean meant. I didn't come here to be a pastor. I came here working in sales and marketing for a uniform company, leaving a great job, two-story house on an acre, acre and a half of land, to coming to Texas and sharing a bedroom with, in a dorm with someone. But God told me to go. So all the other things don't matter when he tells you to go. It may, it may matter at the moment, but when I made the decision. And I came here, I went to Bible school for a couple years. Finished Bible school, and during my second year of Bible school, they asked me to come and, and oversee the bookstore. We didn't, there wasn't a church yet at that time. And so I was working back there on the le- in that back room was my office. And I, I would make sure all the classes were, were recorded every day back when we still had cassette. And I was in charge of making sure, ordering all the, the curriculum books for the Bible school for both years. We had a level one and level two. And, and, and so I'd finished that. And, and so my hope and what I, I, what I felt in my heart, I, I just knew I was called to be here. I, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know uh, how, how it would come to pass. And, and it was even a, a story, even how I started to get to work here. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So I finished Bible school. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Finished Bible school. And I was like, I'm supposed to be here in this building right here. They had just started a, started a church. I was going to Eagle Mountain at the time, serving in the youth. And, uh, but, I, but I was like, they didn't have a position here. And I was like, but... I'm supposed to be here. And they're like, well, you can work in production over at the ministry. And I was like, okay, all right. That's, it's kind of like, it's better than nothing. You know, hey, we'll start there. And, and I, I just prayed to the Lord said, hey, did, did I tell you that you were called to do everything from this ministry? I was like, yes, sir. So he goes, well, this is part of it. 
And uh, working in that department, and here I thought it's like this is ministry. I'm graduated Bible school. I'm a Bible school graduate. I'm anointed to take the world. And then I found out ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. And it's not about P-R-E-A-C-H-I-N-G. If your idea of ministry is preaching, you got pride. And I had to learn that the hard way. And so here I'm working in production and I'm working for the ministry. And, and back then in production, we had to mail out all our own magazines. We had to label everything. We had to duplicate like 6,000 cassettes every month. And we actually had to label them ourselves. Now they don't do that. They work smarter, not harder, maybe. That's the, that's the. We had this bulk mailing machine. I'm going to shorten the story. There's a lot of stories I could tell. About a year and a half in, working in production, and I'm like, this is ministry? Praise the Lord. I'm in ministry. <laughs> Praise, I'm in ministry. Ministry. I, my parents were calling, how's ministry going? Lovely. Ministry's great. <laughs> My attitude wasn't right. And, I I mean, I could tell you so many funny stories. You know, it was great when we got to travel on the road, and I would drive to Atlanta. I'd drive to Chicago, and and we'd be on the road, and we'd have to set up book tables, and we'd do all that. That was was great. But then you'd have to go back, and it's, we're back to ministry. (laughs) We're back to production, shipping. No offense, Arnold. Arnold, 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 runs, Arnold does the shipping, and Richard is over production, and uh, Dylan works there, and Ryan. But it, it, was, it was training ground for me. And actually, actually I, I really loved it. But I had to grow to love it because at first my heart wasn't right. There was one night, it was about 3 in the morning, and I was told that this magazine... No, this partner letter had to go out tomorrow. And they got it in like at, they got it in like four o'clock in the afternoon. They said, this has to get out tomorrow. And I'm like, in, the, in my flesh is like, wait a minute. All of a sudden, their crisis has to become my crisis. And why didn't they do this? And, and how come, usually we have four days to get this out. We have, it, but I have to get this done tonight? And I'm sitting there, everyone else is, is at home in bed. We had this envelope machine. See, we had to stuff. There was a card in it. There was another envelope in it. There was another. There was the letter. There was like four things. And it would, it would get along this thing. And they would, they would go in, into the envelope. They were supposed to go into the envelope. They were supposed to go into the envelope. <laughs> and I have 30,000 of these to do. Three in the morning. And ever so often, it would get dirty, and you'd have to take the machine apart, and you'd have to clean the rollers, and I'm cleaning the rollers, and put it back in, and it's like, okay, is it going to work? It's going to work. Jesus' name, work. Jesus' name, work. Oh, it get hung up again. And so finally, early in the morning on that day, and I was like, I was like and this is ministry. And the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, when are you going to crucify your Isaac? Plain as day. Upset, mad. And he said, when are you going to crucify your Isaac? And I, I don't know why I'm crying, but I looked up. I was like, but Lord, you said I'm called to ministry. He goes, when are you going to crucify your Isaac? Crucify your Isaac. He goes, when are you going to stop making ministry your Isaac? When are you going to stop making something your Isaac? Yes, I've, I've promised things towards you, but when are you going to lay it down? 
When are you going to give it up? And at that moment, in that moment, in the production, in that front room, right, right about 10 feet from the garage door against the wall, I, was, I was got on my knees in tears. And I was like, Lord, I will do this for the rest of my life. And I will do it with joy. I consecrated my heart. Doesn't matter what they ask me to do. It doesn't matter if they want me to plant flowers. (laughs) Move rocks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how late I have to stay. It doesn't matter if no one else does it and I'm the only one that's doing it. It doesn't matter because, God, you called me here and this is going to be my wealthy place. It doesn't matter. You're going to take care of me because I'm going to consecrate my heart to you. I know you have a promise. I know you have a call in my life. But see, it's one thing to say I have faith for where I'm going. But the thing is, can your faith cause you to be obedient in the, in the seasons that don't look right? Can you consecrate your heart in the season when things don't, might, might not look the way you think they should look? And it was on that day, something shifted. It was a matter of just a, a couple of weeks later, I had the opportunity to drive Dr. Savell to the airport. And usually he'd sit in the back and, and pray and, and, just, and just seek the Lord. And we hadn't a whole, had a whole lot of conversations at that time. And he sat in the front seat and I'm, I'm driving. I'm like, oh, I'm really nervous. I'm like driving, doc, driving Dr. Savell. Don't want to get a speeding ticket. Don't want to, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he, he hits me on the shoulder and he goes, so you want to work at the Bible school, huh? I'm like, who have you been talking to? <laughs> he said, the Lord just spoke to me. He says, you want to work at the Bible school. And then all of a sudden, I'm driving. I just said, yes, sir. I'm driving. And I'm thinking, I'm like, all of a sudden I had these thoughts of the visions that God had placed in my heart and my life. And I'm like, should I tell him everything that God's told me about being called here? And the Holy Spirit goes, no, he didn't ask. <laughs> there was not another word spoken the rest of the conversation, the rest of the drive. I'm just driving. I guess I'm weaving back and forth. I don't know. <laughs> but... Like, but <laughs> <laughs> But, I, but he didn't ask it. But, so, but see, my flesh would want to tell him all these things. Why? But I, I, that, it was that moment. He said, he goes, no, let me, let me put you in those places. Let me, let me move you in there. Let me do it. And six months later, they brought me over here and I developed part of the first level of the correspondence school that J, JSMI has now. They made some adjustments to it and changes to it throughout the years. And little did I know, I'd still be here pastoring his church. But if that moment never happened, me leaving EMIC because, because God told me if church for you is not about your choice, but it's about where I've called you to be. And I think if some people would stop following their choices about where to go to church and they get into the place they're called to be, things would change. If I didn't do that and then I didn't do the other at that bulk mailing machine, then I wouldn't be here today. Let me close with this. Isaiah 51. Verse 2 says, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and I blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. Now listen to this. The Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. See, the things that are out of order, when we operate and live like Abraham did, God will put things in order. He will make her wilderness like an Eden. Are you in a wilderness right now? He can turn that wilderness into an Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Do you feel like you're in a desert right now? I'm telling you, when we come to a place of operating in faith 
in the fear of the Lord. Man, he will take our desert and make it like a garden. Then he says this, joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Wow. When I follow the steps, and I look to Abraham, I'm telling you, he can bring joy and gladness. Where there's been sorrow, there's been confusion, there's been difficulty. I'm telling you, when you bring your life under him and you bring total control to him, he will turn things around. All these things here sound like progress to me. They sound like advancement to me. They sound like promotion to me. Highest expectation fulfilled. Do you receive this word today? Stand to your feet. Uh, you know, this message is not something necessarily you do in necessarily an altar call for. Because it's a decision you make personally in your heart. I don't know about you, but as we start 2024, the first Sunday of the year, make a decision to circumcise your heart. Saying, God, my heart is yours. The word circumcise means to cut. It means to cut. It means to separate something. And I ask as we, as we go for these first 21 days and this first part of the year and our first things first, allow the Holy Spirit to circumcise your heart. Allow the word to circumcise your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to cut things away that don't belong Maybe you've been battling pornography where there's time for things for him to cut things away. Maybe that you've just been giving your time to too many other things that aren't necessarily. Allow God to cut, allow him to cut those things away. Maybe fear has dominated your life. Maybe it's time to let him cut those things away. Yes, it could be something that happens just at a close in a couple minutes at the end of the service. But this is something that, that you need to go home with. This is something that needs to be on our hearts for the next several weeks and say, Lord, I'm all, of you. I'm, you're all, I'm all yours. I give you control. Show me. Show me. Cut away what needs to be cut away. Lord, I know you already love me. I know you already care for me. I know that I'm already the rights of God in Christ Jesus. But I don't want to be held back any longer because of soulish stuff. Because of natural stuff. Thank you, Father. Mm. Sanctify our hearts, Holy Spirit. Word tells us that we are sanctified by the work. Sanctified means set apart. It's Titus, I believe. It says we're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Set apart. Set apart means to cut away from for a purpose. Whether you realize it or not, you are called. You have a purpose. Allow the Holy Spirit to set you apart into that call, into that purpose. Man, his presence is here. Oh, just lift your hands and worship for a moment. I don't want, I just don't, I know it's 1201. The clock isn't my Lord. Say, I give you my heart, Lord. Say it. I give you my heart. I consecrate my heart. Today. I know, Lord, you have greater things 
I know, Lord, that this is a year of progressing, advancing, and promotion. Remove every obstacle and hindrance that has held me back up to this point in my life. I'm not going back. I'm yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. His presence is in this place. Hallelujah. And this is a work. This is a work that I believe has been ongoing. Last year, there was some words that came forth that revival is all about a season of separation. And I believe that that's still happening. And I believe something has happened in us today and will continue to happen in us. And he that began a good work will complete it. And I'm telling you, there's some things that I've seen in the word about the fear of the Lord that produce some amazing things in the New Testament church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Has God done something in you today? Give him a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.